The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot. Your stories see. don't define you, but how you tell them will. Hi, I'm your host, Sarah Elkins, Chief Storymaker at Elkins Consulting. Just a quick announcement before we get started. There are three spots left for the No Longer Virtual Summit for Entrepreneurs and Innovators coming up in February 2023. This is a surprisingly affordable professional development event that packs a huge punch in value and community building. So check out the agenda and register at elkinsconsulting.com forward slash NLV hyphen home. If you've been listening to this podcast for a few months, you know I've been diving deeply into authenticity, identity, and relevance. And today's guest, Carrie Gran, is a great epitome of that kind of conversation. She reinvented herself and her career thanks to a life-changing diagnosis. And the question I have for you listeners, what I'd love for you to consider as you listen to this conversation is this. Does it have to take a traumatic experience, a diagnosis, an injury, or a tragedy for you to make a necessary change in your life? Change will happen, of course. The question is whether you'll drive it or it will drive you. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Your Stories Don't Define You podcast. I'm so eager to get into this conversation. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, and um, after having a, a couple of other people on the podcast, one of your assistants reached out and said, I think Carrie would make a great addition to your show. And I said, absolutely. Let's do this. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it worked out great. So um, I always start these conversations with the request that you share something about yourself that most people don't know about you, something that's not on your LinkedIn or your bio or your resume. And I ask you this because I love for our listeners to have some context for the the three-dimensional person that we're talking to over the next few minutes. Okay. Well, I've been thinking about this, and I think that people may be surprised to know that I got my start in the corporate world in the accounting department at Nordstrom's. So oh. I am a Seattle girl through and through, and um, I was so desperate to get a job there that I took second shift. So I worked three to midnight. Oh my gosh. As uh, In accounting, was that your degree, accounting? It was not. And um, actually, I ended up going back to school after that job because I disliked it. So <laughs> it was such a bad fit. In what way? What was the worst part for it? What What was the part that drained you the most? The part that drained me was it's a very solitary job. And I found that I was really isolated from people. And while I enjoy numbers, I don't enjoy just being at one with numbers and not having anybody else to really interact with. Mm-hmm. And um, that for me was a real tell for what wasn't probably going to be a good fit moving forward. That makes so much sense. So you you took the job because you you just really wanted to work with Nordstrom. What I was did. the drive for that? Is it because it's such a cool store and their customer service reputation? Exactly. And born and raised here in the Seattle area and Nordstrom was the epitome of the retail customer service um, excuse me experience 
in that it was it wasn't a matter of the customer's always right and so they're going to be abusive to us as a company it was just like we're always going to make sure the customer feels really important listened to and tended to it it was just it was just a you know an experience that i felt really good about and while the corporate level didn't interact with customers per se we interacted with vendors and um in the accounts payable department where i was you know i had some vendor contact and that was great but it was always just this next level of customer service that drew me to them mm. i i love that because i it's it feels so right it feels so familiar to me and um just this whole idea of going into the accounting taking that job and thinking and and i could be just projecting here thinking well i can do anything for a while as long as i you know appreciate the people i'm working with and yeah. then it turns out that that's not actually true yeah it just it just ultimately it wasn't a great fit so mm-hmm. so what did you do right after immediately following you went back to school um, were you also working at the same time i did yes i was working and i was a full-time student and um that i was actually involved in the career I had before doing this which I was in real estate for about 15 18 years and mm-hmm. so I was able to adapt my schedule to a college schedule and kind of slowly finish up the degree that I hadn't right out of high school oh oh that's interesting real estate and retail <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very interesting. I know. So that's what I did, but you know, I I kind of fancy myself a lifelong learner and I really loved being in school, um especially being a little bit older student, you know, having had that break. Right. Because I really had a strong desire to be there. Mhm. And um working full-time and going to school full-time is, you know, not the most relaxing. Experience. you think <laughs> i know oh yeah <laughs> yeah yes and I, I, i don't think you're alone i don't think you're alone in that and not only just you know working and going to school and and how hard that is but that whole idea of going back when you're a little older and having that different perspective on being there the reason you're there mm-hmm. um so i i appreciate that i went back after i finished my bachelor's degree barely and then 15 years later said you know i've always wanted to get back to this academic environment cuz you learn in such a different way and mm-hmm. as a lifelong learner you can always find opportunities but academic learning is such a different beast and sometimes i think some of us just kind of crave that opportunity to dive deeply into something in that way yeah hmm. more. well that that actually is a a perfect segue into that transformative experience of getting this diagnosis and i i read through this um on in a couple places uh, on your bio and i know that you were no stranger to transition the transformation was kind of a different thing for you at this point so for our audience if you could just share a little bit about um what what were the symptoms that led you to go get tested and find out the the diagnosis that you experienced. 
Oh, so for the thyroid, for the graves. Yes. The Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was, I was selling real estate. I was um, in my late twenties and I was having, um, I had had a long experience of having lots of headaches, um, being on migraine medicine, just kind of being out of sorts. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my late twenties and I started having a lot of hot flashes and heart palpitations that I went in and my doctor said, well, I don't think it's this, but let's just run a blood test to see. And it ended up that I had two autoimmune forms of thyroid disease. I have Graves disease and I have Hashimoto's disease. And so what that is and why it's a little bit interesting is one is associated with hypothyroidism, which is the Hashimoto, so a low thyroid. And then the Graves disease is with the high thyroid. So they had battled each other for a very long time until one became dominant. And so that's when when the Graves disease really kicked in and I had the heart palpitations and the hot, you know, I was only 29. So little young for hot flashes, a right. um, <laughs> little bit young for that. And so what happened was I immediately was connected to an endocrinologist and then I ended up having uh, radiation treatment mm-hmm. to essentially eliminate, well, they hoped to eliminate enough of my thyroid that it would normalize, but what they did was they pretty much took it all out. And so um, not surgically, but with radiation. And then I mm-hmm. ended up being post-ablative hypothyroid, but because you take um, supplemental hormones, Synthroid in this case, it's kind of a game of cat and mouse of can they get right? Right. So that has been the struggle that I continue to have at the age of 54 is that I have a lot of instability with hormonal regulation of my thyroid. Mm. And... Um, I know uh, I've been, I've been treated for hypoactive thyroid since I was nine years old. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. I've been, yes. And so part of the story, of course, really resonated strongly with me. I did not have the severe experience that many women do, but I do know that um, there were times, especially when my body was changing significantly going through going from um, being nine years old and being on Synthroid and they only had one dose back then they had. Yeah. So I was on a high dose uh, for, for a body that was nine years old and the bone Mm. age of a six-year-old because of the thyroid um, issues. I had been, my bone age had been delayed and um, what I remember the most was going through um, getting my period for the first time and how that, changed my thyroid and I had to go in and, you know, I had kind of found a regular dose that we had gotten it pretty under control. And then of course, everything changed when my hormones shifted in teen years, they shifted again during my first pregnancy and again during my second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 52 and um, I feel my hormones shifting again. And so I have to have my thyroid tested regularly again. Yes, And that those are just big changes that periodically I've had to deal with. And you're talking about like nonstop, like every month, wondering if your thyroid is under control, whether the medication is working properly. Yeah. But I remember it changed my hair. 
Oh yeah. You know, depending <laughs> on what was going on, like it, my hair got wavy at different times and mm-hmm. then it got frizzy and it had mm-hmm. always been super straight. No problem with that. Um, my skin started to change. So when in your um, bio, you talked about this and, and how this diagnosis and the changes in your skin really initially started changing you and how you ingested food, how you fed mm-hmm. yourself and also what you put on your skin. So tell me what was a story, like a moment in that diagnosis and treatment during the radiation or whatever that you had, like you you were at your wits end and so frustrated. My initial endocrinologist ended up ultimately not being a great fit for the reason that I had such an unstable thyroid, but I didn't look like I was sick. So that was kind of the crux of the whole thyroid disease was, you know, you could be feeling really, really awful, but it's, there's no real tell sign from an outward appearance. Right. Um, And so for me, it was just a function of this, you know, I wanted some causation. So I, I like, you know, straightforward math. I mentioned math earlier, you know, one plus one equals whatever. I don't love an algebraic formula because there are too many variables involved for the solve. Mm -hmm. And so I just like to know why. And when I was having all of this instability with my thyroid for about the first three or four years, I charted everything on an Excel spreadsheet and brought it into my endocrinologist. And he looked at me like I was insane and said that I didn't fall inside the bell-shaped curve and even referenced the word, you know, that I was having a spell. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that was- Welcome to 1955. I know. And I really enjoyed this doctor a lot. He was so kind, but that was kind of the turning point for you know, really having to advocate for myself because I didn't fall inside the bell-shaped curve. And so it didn't really make any sense this than that. So I would say, well, is it something in my lifestyle? Why are these changes happening? It's not as if I ate a piece of cheese and then, you know, things went haywire. There was no causal factor. And that's what made me crazy. And that's what ultimately drove me to Really, it it was a long time. It wasn't a fast thing, but it was back when um, Michael Pollan's book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, Mm -hmm. came out and um, food rules and really like looking at because, you know, I'm a product of the 80s, really, in my prime years of growing up and the 70s before that. So everything related to food, especially in a household where I was the oldest And I had three younger siblings and two working parents revolved around food like hamburger helper and uh, lots of processed food. I remember when we got our first microwave and melting a cheese sandwich, you know, yeah, lots of, lots of uh, not real food, if you will. Right. Convenient food. Convenient food. I was going to say convenient calories. (laughs) I mean, not really. I know so much of it is not really even food. Velveeta. I mean, it just was gross. So Mm -hmm. I really took a deep dive and looked at like what I was eating and trying to go down that path. And um, from there, it was a journey into 
learning more about what is in personal care products and um, was there anything I could do on that front? And so I tried to just really do anything that I could to even things out. And I, w- I would say I was somewhat successful, but I was, it didn't like fix all of my woes by any means, but it was something that I had to do. And it's actually much more widely accepted now than it was 20 years ago to right. say, oh, what, well, what's your diet like? Oh, are you sleeping? Are you moving your body? You know, are you managing your stress? Are you doing, you know, this, this kind of holistic, picture, yeah, the, the holistic, holistic approach, right? Yeah. Instead of here's a pill, because that's what I was promised was do this radiation. And then you'll, you'll come in for a blood test once a year. And if needed, we'll change your dose of medication. And that has not been the case. Mm. That that can be the case, but it wasn't the case. It can be the case, and it just <laughs> right. wasn't the case for, for me. You. And so I think because it has that autoimmune arm right. to it, what ultimately happens is your body just has a, you know, it just doesn't have a normal response mm-hmm. to your body's own systems. And so, that's what sorry. I have come to accept. Right. So you you were keeping this journal, especially food, but mm-hmm. probably your energy level and headaches and, you know, all those weird things that we, we try to avoid. Right. <laughs> like, um, what was something that you looked back and you realized um, a particular food was maybe not working for your body that you loved, but it didn't love you? Early on, it was wheat, anything with gluten in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard and, that with, with, yeah. uh, right. And so, um, I was tested for celiacs and there are two markers that you have, if you have full blown celiacs and I had one of the markers at the time. And that was, that was more than 20 years ago before there was a lot of gluten-free knowledge and gluten-free right. options, which ultimately they're all not so great because they're pretty heavily processed. And so doing that, um, and that all came about because I can tell you specifically when it was like the tipping point for me, I had been to a holiday party with some girlfriends and there were homemade dinner rolls and there was stuffing and there was all of these things like a gigantic pile of gluten. And I had kind of cut back, but I wasn't like, yeah, because I really liked it and it was convenient. Mm -hmm. But on the way home, we were all carpooling and my throat started closing and, (laughs) and I got this horrible rash and I had had rashes before, but it really went to like the next level. And so that was the tipping point for, you know, like, oh, I guess this probably isn't such a great idea. And, and it is a causal sign, right? I, I've already said that that's important to me. And so I, if I don't listen to my own self, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> it's so common. Yeah, I mean, right? really, it's How many of us I actually know. listen to ourselves? I know, but when you, when you, when you yeah, the, the, the throat closing and then the, the big, big, big rash was like, okay, this is yeah. not normal. My body's yeah. telling me something. The universe yeah, is telling me something. Yeah, but this is not great. 
That's so fascinating to me because I know so many of us will just keep doing things that we know aren't great for us until something really serious happens. Mm -hmm. And and that was pretty serious. It reminds me of um, just the introduction that I just gave to this episode about what does it take Mm -hmm. for you to make a change you know you need to make? And in so many cases, it takes a serious issue. And I'd love to hear what's something recent that because you have this experience now, you know better than most of us when to really listen to your body or your your heart or your brain, because they're all so interconnected, but so many different um, stimulants. When was something recently that you thought, okay, this is this is the universe telling me something and I need to listen? Mm. There's been so many things the universe has been telling me in the last few years. <laughs> I think <laughs> like, a lot like of us. Of I mean, really, sometimes it you know, I'm I'm really in tune now that I'm a little bit older with, you know, kind of flow. And mm-hmm. so when it feels like when you're on the right path, things just flow right? It doesn't feel like you're moving upstream. And Mm -hmm. I, I can't think of a real strong specific because while I don't feel like I've been going upstream, I do think having a pandemic like we've had has thrown a whole new set of craziness into the world in a way that, you know, I didn't know that I would ever see in my lifetime. And so that's where it comes down to just having the ability to pivot and be adaptable to the situation and really not getting too terribly attached to the outcome. But that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm reminded of a recent experience for myself where I was hiking and um, I was by myself and it was a good long hike around the entire circumference of the mountain behind my house. So it ends up being about a five or six mile hike and in the snow and it was it was like 25 degrees above zero which is compared to 48 hours before that when it was 25 below zero it felt pretty warm mm-hmm. <laughs> but i remember this moment my my right knee had been bothering me over the years mostly in the winter and only going downhill and as i was walking downhill i i was not wearing a brace on my knee and i have one at home right next mm-hmm. to the door And I've been wearing it periodically, but not every time. And there was a moment as I was coming down the mountain and taking my time because my knee started hurting. It started hurting badly enough that I had this realization that if I don't figure out how to take care of it, that I'm, I'm potentially going to lose one of my favorite things that I do in my life, the thing that brings me the most comfort and peace and that's hike. Yeah. I I might ruin that for myself if I don't do something about what's going on in my knee. Right. That it was huge because, you know, we just keep going, especially as women, but particularly people who are moving a lot and doing a lot. Mm -hmm. I think we have a tendency to just kind of gloss over these things. If we're not paying attention in a way that we realize we're going to regret a loss if yep. we don't pay attention. That's so true. Could not agree more. Powerful moments. Yeah. So um, I would love, because our, our listeners don't yet know 
what you do. <laughs> We've been a little cagey. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they, they don't actually know what you do. Without telling our listeners what you do, can you share a story about a positive impact that you made through your work? Something that recently happened that you went, oh, I'm so glad I'm doing what I do. Um, you know, what's interesting is there is an event that happened and it doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal, but it really was meaningful and impactful because of the way that we haven't had a lot of interaction over the past few years. Mm -hmm. And so October 18th, I believe it was of this last year is um, it's national menopause, global menopause awareness day. And we had an event at our space for women. And we had a, a physician who specialized in um, menopausal care. And we had this great shoe company that was a woman owned and podiatrist. And um, we were there. And then this great second act woman who's, you know, started up a new career and she's doing organic wines that she imports from Italy and France. And cool. it was, we were like, was anybody going to show up? You know, because menopause is a word that is getting a little more exposure, but it's not something that everybody's like, wants to sit and talk about right. let's talk about menopause or perimenopause pre-menopause yeah. right so it was like no we're gonna we're gonna go all in on this and there were so many and it was just an open house but people came that um we didn't know and they were so appreciative and so thankful for the content and it just turned into like it wasn't an open house like people come and go people came and then they didn't leave for hours but it was this great sense of community and it, because I hadn't seen anybody and I hadn't been out doing events and I hadn't been doing some things it was really like okay this is why I'm doing this because I feel like there's a segment of the population of women that really is not spoken to in a way that's really respectful or very nice. And uh, especially as it relates to aging. And so this was just like, we want to provide as much information to help shepherd women into this next phase of their lives. Because, you know, a lot of the hard, hard work is behind us. And this is the time that you know, you want to feel good. You want to be like, to your point of the knee thing, like you don't want that taken away from you. It's something that really matters and it's something that you want to do. And so that was the, that was the moment that I was like, okay. And I love interacting with women. Mm -hmm. So I have to tell you, I'm sitting here with my eyes closed because I can, I can feel the warmth and the vibration of that event from October of last year. Yeah. So it's been months, but I can feel it in the way that you're describing it. Do you have an image in your head when you think about it? Um, I just see a sea of people who don't know each other, but they do know each other. Mm -hmm. There's this familiarity amongst the group. 
And, you know, because a lot of times parties are groups of people like peel off into little clusters and they don't move about the cabin. And this wasn't that way at all. This was just like people were asking questions of everybody who was there, the doctor, me, um, the shoe people, the wine person. And then there would be a group of people that they didn't know surrounding them and listening in. So it wasn't like, oh, you can't, you can't hear my question. It's right. right. It was well, just, oh. yeah, it was fun. It was just, it was a, it was a really fun event. I love that. And oh my gosh, I'm just grinning. So many thank yous, like so many thank yous from these women that had such a great time. So that was it. And it, it doesn't have to be big, I guess. No, really I, a difference. that's, that's a line in my book. And the, the quote that I have on my bookmark that I give away with my book, it says, your stories don't have to be epic. They have to be meaningful. Yeah. And that's exactly. And, uh, I can feel the meaning in that story and how you feel about it as if I was there with you looking out the windows in a building in Seattle. And now that I felt this, what was one question that people asked you as a provider of a product Mm -hmm. that you really loved talking about? Uh, For most women, especially in the age group, like the 40 and over, it's all about the changes in their skin and the dryness in particular. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, again, it's not a complicated thing, but it is something that does make a change and impact. And because I've dealt with kind of severely dry skin since my 20s because of the thyroid disease, like you mentioned, when your thyroid's out of whack, kind of everything gets out of whack, but your skin in particular can get um, shockingly dry Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable. Um, So, and as we get a little bit older, whether you, maybe you didn't have dry skin before, but as your estrogen levels decrease, so does your body's ability to maintain moisture levels. So what is the product that you are most proud of? I mean, I know you're really proud of all of the products that you serve women with. um, But what is one that you just when you think about it, that's when you think about what you do and what you create? What's that product? Oh, it's hard to pick because it's like picking your favorite child. Um, <laughs> I know. Somebody asked me about my favorite podcast guest. I'm like, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not fair. Um, I, you know, I would have to say, honestly, it's probably the product that really kind of launched us. And we have a, uh, it's called Lip Whip and it's a lip balm and meets lipstick hybrid. And it feels really good. It's made with good ingredients and it looks nice. And so that is that is the one thing that I would say we're best known for. And then we have a very simple edited line of skincare. Mm. 
Wonderful. I love good lip stuff. That's, I have, my son came into our house from, he goes to school in Missoula and I live in Helena. It's about a two hour drive. And he came home last week and he said, mom, do you have any lip stuff I can have? <laughs> and I'm like, which check any of the pockets of my yes, jackets. Pockets. They're, they're exactly. in all the pockets. And he found one that worked. It was probably a Burt's Bees or something, yeah. but, um, Oh, I love that. That's so terrific. So for our listeners, and don't worry, listeners, there will be links to all of these um, all, all of these ways of getting in touch with Carrie. Um, but Carrie, where do people find you? And what what's the best way to really interact with you and see what you're doing and keep keep up with your amazing business and career? Probably our website. And okay. it's just my name. So it's... Um, carriegran.com. We have a lot of content um, around holistic well-being, in addition to obviously skincare. And um, we do a fair amount on social media as well. And so that is, that's probably the easiest way to find us. There's videos, there's content, you can read the blog. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things. And it's not just limited to talking about skincare, which mm -hmm. I think is interesting. Well, that's what I appreciated. I went to your blog page and saw articles about um, energy level with menopause and um, the difference between menopause and pre or perimenopause and mm -hmm. why that's important, why that distinction is important. And I um, just followed you on Instagram in the in recent days. So I'm eager to watch some of what you're doing on there. And um, so listeners, I highly recommend you check out carriegrand.com. So Carrie, as you think about um, your transformations and those pivotal moments in your life, is there, can you think of just one? I mean, I, there are, I don't believe in light bulb moments. I don't mm -hmm. believe that you go from turned off to turned on in any transformative experience, any pivotal moment in your life. I believe more in a dimmer switch. That said, there are moments that are so memorable that when you look back, you realize this really, this was a, a big adjustment and this changed how I see myself in the world. Can you think of one of those stories? Oh, you know, I would say um, probably uh I have a nephew that had a really bad accident as a toddler and it was a two week touch and go life or literally life or death. And I specifically remember the moment um, in the hospital waiting to, you know, to go into the room and sitting there and it was dark and looking up and just thinking, you know, I'm going to like, I got to surrender to this situation because I have literally no control. I know what I want to happen. Um, but that doesn't mean that is what's going to happen. And my husband was, you know, I'm normally the one that's kind of bossing everybody around and putting everyone in their place. And he, and I was like, well, what's going to happen? I need to know. And he said, you know, what's going to happen is no matter how he wakes from this coma, we're just going to love him. And that's going to be it. And that for a very strong type A control freak was truly a pivotal transformational moment because I had to learn to let go of what I couldn't control. Oh, that's huge. And have you been able to use that moment throughout your life since then? To I have. To, oh, 
I love that. Yeah, because it, you know, it, like you said, it, what is it going to take? Is it going to take something big to really change who you are? And it really did take something that big to right. kind of let go of all of the kind of stupid, dumb little things that used to just wind me up. Mm. So Absolutely. that that is, you know, that is that is something that really sticks out because it it was kind of a life-changing experience. And then we ultimately ended up um, raising our nephew. So that was even probably why it sticks a little more. Oh, wow. So he woke from his coma. He did. He did. Wow. And yeah, yeah, it was pretty incredible. I'm yeah. glad to hear that happy ending to that yeah. sad, scary, not sad, scary story. Yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a whole nother thing when, um, when somebody has brain surgery. So. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Oh, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing that story and for sharing your time with me and our listeners. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was really nice. Yes. So listeners out there, now it's your turn. What will it take for you to make a necessary change in your life? Something you will absolutely regret if you don't address it soon. And what resources and people do you need in your circle to make change happen, to support you, to encourage you, and to keep you accountable? I hope you'll take some time to think about that. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.